listening to the Tech podcast. We connect the tech thought leaders across the globe to deliver content that allows you to make better career and hiring decisions. Um, so we might as well kick off the conversation and um, one of the first questions that we're going to address is the cost of living in Germany versus the salary that people should earn. So uh, what we want to talk through is the different tools that someone can use to calculate their salary and the cost of living. Um, now I'm going to start by just explaining how I typically encourage people to get a benchmark. Um, and then I guess you'll get a much, much better answer after my shoddy attempt. But um, we typically use um, the net salary that someone earns in their current country and the cost of their rent or their mortgage. And then once you have those two figures, you can kind of at least draw some kind of comparison to what uh, you would need to earn in Germany because you can use the, the typically the increase in the cost of a mortgage or the cost of rent to then gauge how much does the net salary have to increase. And then from the net salary, we get the gross salary with the tax calculator. That is about as good as my advice gets. So I think maybe I should hand you over to the, the real professionals on this topic and see what advice they have on this question. And I was going to say you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, technically, you like already reverse engineered it because I think what's very common is in um, job ads or in negotiations that um, you just get like a gross yearly number thrown at your head pretty much and you need to deal with that. And and we, we know, especially from, let's say, um, people not coming from the Eurozone, already the Euro is not, they cannot grasp it. Like, what does it even mean? What does it get me? And then um, a salary even less, particularly because Germany, I would say, depending on where you're from, has um, a lot higher deductions from your salary than you might be uh, used to. Um, so it's uh, obviously extremely individual, and that's why also there are these calculators that give you a, a better estimate, um, like a, a better feel of what you can expect. But one can kind of like say around 40% of your gross yearly salary you won't even see in your bank account. That's where it starts. Yeah, exactly. And regarding the cost of living, well, of course, it highly depends on your lifestyle and what kind of hobbies do you have or don't have? Do you want to go to the gym or want to do workout at home, for example, is a clear example. Also, do you have kids or not? Will they be going to international schools or public schools? So it really depends on the lifestyle. And I think the best that's a very good kind of like estimation what you say, Jamie, because based on your rent, you kind of have a sense of where you might land. Um, we have on our website, Simple Germany, a really detailed example, and we also have a YouTube video where we go into talking about our cost of living. We have a very, I would say, simple, <laughs> simple kind of like lifestyle in Germany, which allows us to live with, I would say, rel relatively little money. But what's super cool is that all these deductions that happen on your salary, like you don't have to worry about basic things like health insurance. Um, there's another care insurance that gets taken deducted as well. Uh, pension insurance. What is the third one? Unemployment insurance. Unemployment insurance. So pretty well. much the entire social system that um, you either love or hate. A lot of um, foreigners love it. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much, you know, from your net salary, it's really just your your rent and your living expenses. It's not uh, any more um, healthcare or anything. That sometimes takes a big chunk in other countries. 
Yeah, a very big also thing to point out, the cost of living is something I think that happens when you're once stable in Germany and then it's like your monthly recurring cost. But when you move to Germany, you will also have to take some of the cost as well, like some things that I don't know if it's very common in other countries, but in Germany is very, very well known that a kitchen is not included, for example, when you rent an apartment. Most often. So most often than not, you need to invest some money in buying a new kitchen, for example. You need to give at least a three-month um, caution, is called, which is a down payment. So three times the rent of your uh, apartment, uh, you need to pay up front as well. So roughly, we did an estimation also in another video on YouTube, but on roughly, we estimate you need a le at least 2,000 euros to be able to relocate to Germany. So you need 2,000. There we go. Yeah, so two to 3,000 for that kind of upfront cost of securing accommodation. Um, and how much does the cost of living vary from city to city in Germany? Like, is Tremendous. it all the same? No, it really, really varies. Um, like if we just look at the pure rental prices, Munich stands out as by far the most expensive city, followed by Stuttgart and Frankfurt. So more like the southern part of Germany, I would say. Um, whereas, let's say on average, Berlin, for example, um, on average, it's always relatively low, but we know in reality, it's really, really high. So it really depends on where you want to live. If you want to live smack in the city center, expect tremendously high rents. If you are okay to maybe commute because you're used to commuting anyways, um, then you can also, of course, um, like have a bit of lower rents. But yes, cities vary. The more known the name, pretty much the higher the rent. If you go to smaller towns, um, which still have a great life, um, depending, of course, where you get your job, then you can also expect lower rental prices. Yes. The one thing to point out about Berlin is that it's a super popular hub, of course, because there's a lot of uh, tech companies and startups there as well. So rent tends to be the tricky part where people um, have the first shock that it's not as cheap. However, other things uh, are a little bit cheaper than other cities in Germany, like grocery shopping and going out for restaurants and entertainment in general tends to be a Cheap bit cheaper in Berlin. in Berlin than in the rest of Germany. Mm -hmm. so when we're talking about high rents, there could be some people watching this thinking, oh my God, I've got to pay 300 euros rent. That's really high compared to today. Um, and someone else might be saying, oh no, high means 5,000 euros. So could we maybe give some people a, an indication of what high rents actually, what the number might be in places like Munich and Berlin? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, high is different for everyone. Um, just to give an idea of what your rent, what an okay rent is, uh, for families or for couples, rent usually takes around on average 30% of your net salary and as a single 40% of your net salary. So you should not look at rent that is more than 40% of your net salary because then you could run into more difficulties or not such a comfortable lifestyle anymore. Mm -hmm. And then as a number, it, uh, if you ask us, a rent of 1000 is really high, but really individual. I would say the 30-40% mark of net salary gives a better feeling. Maybe to try to give a little bit of an example in Dusseldorf, at least, if you're looking at a rent of 4,000 euros a month, that is extremely a lot of money. Um, however, those 4,000 euros might get you a very kind of modern looking, fancy in a way, big. good location, big apartment. Um, and a lot of, uh, yeah, so I would say that is very expensive, but maybe 4,000 for other people in a house that it's a bigger family is not that expensive, right? Mm. It's also relative to, to your lifestyle and what you, you want. Um, right. Your general advice of like 30 or 40 percent of a net salary sounds like really good sound advice to go on. So we always get asked from people in other countries, 
how easy is it for me to live and to work in Germany if I don't speak German? Um, so what was like, Jenna and Yvonne, your experience, I guess you were maybe like most people, you were not like fluent German speakers before you relocated. So um, how did you find that, that whole language experience? Well, I don't know if you have noticed, but actually Yvonne is German, so it would be a shame if she doesn't speak oh, German. You know what? Yeah, I should have placed the accent I better. still have uh, you know, word-finding difficulties in German. <laughs> Most of my life I speak English as an adult, so. <laughs> but I can definitely answer that one. Um, and I would say job-wise, the way I have experienced it, at least here in Dusseldorf, is tech companies tend to hire because there's a lack of, of people in the market they tend to hire a lot of international people so i've had always english-speaking jobs um and most some of them have even has been where the company's uh, language is german but the it department's uh, english i'm sorry the german language was for the whole company but in the it department it was english for example because there was just so many international people so in my experience you don't necessarily need to have a high um, level of german to get a job uh, in the tech industry however learning german was definitely the key to kind of like understand a little bit more my colleagues and the german culture and why things are done a certain way because even though things were explained in english i think learning the local language is what has enabled me to kind of kind of understand Germans a little bit more. So I would say it's not required for a job, but for integration, I would say it's highly um, important in my opinion. Mm. And how did you personally go, go about learning the language? Was it, um, you know, private courses? Was it all at home? Was it uh, supported by the company you worked for? And then also, how did you find the experience of learning German? Yes, yeah, so it was a mix of everything, actually. I had a private teacher at one point. I also had um, language courses that I found on my own. Also, some companies paid for language courses or even when uh, teachers came to the campus and taught us German. I also tried to learn some German at home. Not so easy, I would say. But definitely my number one way has been actually to listen to local um, or German music. I love music in general. So listening to like German music and the lyrics not only has helped me increase my vocabulary, but also, again, learn a little bit about the culture. Um, and the experience has been, honestly, for me, I'm not a very language-driven person, so it has been quite difficult. <laughs> um, it's ongoing. It's still an ongoing process, although I would say I still, you know, get by. By this point, I can, I'm, I'm very comfortable having um, to deal with things on my own, like bureaucratic things or or, or, or doctor stuff as well. And a lot of, um, even outside of the company, if you make a little bit of an effort to speak German and then you transition into like an English kind of thing, uh, people are generally very receptive of that, as long as they're seeing that you're making an effort first to speak the language. Mm -hmm. That's very good to know. And um, so from our perspective as recruiters for German companies, um, we have a mixture. There are some companies who for certain reasons, they just have to hire people that speak fluent German. Maybe the job requires you to deal with their customers and their customers are German companies or German people. Um, but increasingly, we are uh, being told that we can find people who only speak English and have a, a willingness and a motivation to learn German on the job and, uh, and will take some support from the company in doing that. Um, a few years ago, maybe five years ago, the more the most common thing was find us software developers that speak like B1, B2 level, and then we'll help them improve. Um, but that has kind of dissolved away as the demand for these skills has got so incredibly high 
Um, the spoken language skills has been one of the first things that companies and employers in Germany of technology people have been flexible on. Um, and I'm talking from a perspective of hiring permanent employees into companies. Um, is that the same for hiring freelancers, Alex and Chloe? Like, do you always need English or German speakers? Um, I'd say freelancers are generally they're, they're based in Germany. Like most of them are based in Germany uh, that we hire. I'd say, um, and and they are generally the ones that that tend to get hired into the German speaking roles because they can't hire people on a permanent basis who can speak German. Um, so yeah, if we do get any any requirements for for German speakers, it, it, sometimes it, it's because they can't hire a permanent German speaker, so they hire a freelancer who can. Um, but yeah, generally it's not a requirement. You know, they they are quite open to to hiring just English speakers as well. I'd say yeah. I, I think so, as well that us as recruiters, um, the whole topic of this is to obviously try to attract people who are not in Germany into Germany. Um, and the reason that, that we're able to do this in the first place is because our customers in general don't really tend to require us to have German speakers anymore for both permanent roles and, and for freelance roles. Yeah, backing up what Jamie said. So just from personal experience as well, um, I think also it really depends on location. Um, yeah. So some of the locations in regards to somewhere like um, Dresden or Braunschweig um, might need a little bit more German. Um, whereas somewhere like Berlin or Munich, um, they're more English speaking cities because obviously of um, people coming over and tourists and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people do speak English, but I think it really depends on what location it is as well. So the more rural and I guess I slightly isolated the location you move to, the more important German language skills might become. But the major cities yeah. typically more international. Absolutely. The team at Simple Germany, what advice would you give people in finding somewhere to live? Pretty much to treat the apartment hunt exactly the way you treat the job hunt. Uh, it is also um, the same situation. There is a scarcity in terms of uh, apartments, maybe even less than actually job opportunities um, at the current um, market trend here in Germany, I would say. And you just need to be really on top of your game. You need to um, hustle, you need to uh, be prepared and you need to be fast, especially fast. And um, I would say it's it maybe the, the easiest way to find a short term or let's say not the dream apartment you would like to have as your first place to live, but just really look for something that um, um, suits for maybe the first half year or so. And then once you're here, you can get to know the neighborhoods, you can um, settle in a bit more smoothly and then really look for uh, a place that is maybe a bit more long term, also with the necessary paperwork that most often landlords want to see, which you won't have if you have not lived in Germany yet. Yeah. And very important is to also treat if you're going to view an apartment to really treat it as a job interview, because, of course, the landlords or the people renting out the apartments get an impression of who you are and how you're going to like behave kind of like in the in the place. So it's very important to like show up like, you know, very well dressed, not overly dressed, but like actually well dressed and give a good impression. Right. Like be respectful and treat it as your buddy or your best friend similar to how you do a job interview pretty much. Another thing, like how we mentioned, is it's very common that the apartments don't have a kitchen. So that is another thing that you might need to 
like consider when looking for an apartment there are some that already have it in kitchen kitchen included but again like usually what germans do they move into the apartment or house and then usually kitchens depends on where you order it it takes some time so they also set up like a like a temporary kitchen with some uh, camping gear while they wait for this stuff to happen just for you to know that that can happen and not unnormal for it to happen mm -hmm. and um, another thing if you're moving in and if you're moving and you're not with the family a very popular option is to first search for a shared apartment it's called biggie again in our guide that we're going to send after the call you'll be able to find all these links and there you can find shared apartments a lot easier as a temporary means before you can go ahead if you want to live alone later to find an apartment like that Mm -hmm. So you really need to make an, an effort when you're meeting these landlords as well. Be mindful that how uh, you connect with that person is possibly going to make it much easier, much much more harder. Exactly. Manager. I think what helps, it would help to understand is that the um, Germany is a rental country, so the majority of Germans rent and don't own property. And the German laws of um, tenants and and rental contract is very tenant friendly. Meaning that if you, as a landlord, pretty much accept the tenant, it's very difficult to get rid of the tenant um, for whatever reason. They don't, you know, you don't like them anymore, or they don't treat your property well. So they're very, very selective in who do they want to live in the house. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes well. You can understand why they would be so selective then. Um, okay, <laughs> so um, the next topic we have to talk about is education but not in the sense of education for yourself and, and landing a job. This is more in the sense of if you're relocating with family, which I think about 70% of the people in this webinar are going to do or plan to do, um, and you have a child that you need to get into kindergarten, um, what really are the options? Do they have to go into a local school? Is there an international school? Do they have to learn the, the local language first? How easy or difficult could it be? So um, could you give us a kind of overview and introduction first of all into what are the options and second of all how easy or difficult that might be of course <laughs> so the answer is always is it depends <laughs> it highly depends on the age of course yeah. um i would say the most difficult age is probably zero to three like one to three pretty much um because that is um the the uh, like the daycare and it's notoriously known in germany that uh, also germans struggle to get a spot um especially uh, in cities i would say um from three to six the general kindergarten where i would say 93 percent of germans actually have the kids in kindergarten it's half time half day um and from six onwards there's actually a mandatory compulsory school attendance meaning homeschooling is illegal and kids must attend school hence also, the cities kind of need to help newcomers to find schools. Yes, um, some things to add to that, for example, like I think a kid attending to kindergarten already, they're learning to speak generally. So I think learning term or having German knowledge is not so critical versus when you start first grade in the like real school, let's call it, their German becomes a bit more important. And again, to answer that question, it highly depends on the motivation of, of you when you're moving to Germany. Do you want to stay here like for the long term? Do you want to stay here lifetime? Or do you just plan to stay here a couple of years? If you want to stay here a couple of years, an international school might be an option because they tend to give um, education in English and German, but German is not like the main language, so the kid is able to integrate a lot easier. However, international schools are private schools and they need to be paid for, so that is another thing to consider. 
in regards to the salary that you receive and the cost of living, of course, um, versus if you go to a public local school, um, it really depends on the school. We've done some research on it and it highly depends really on the area, the amount of kids that speak the same foreign language, um, whether they will get uh, extra classes for learning German, it highly depends. But every city usually has like an integration center where they can assess the family um, or your family if you're moving here with kids um, in terms of what might be the best course for your kid to integrate better into the German school. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's really down to what the, the parents are feeling as well would be, if they've got the option, they can afford both, what would be better? I can see how there would be some, some positives and some, some potential trade-offs in both of those options. Um, Absolutely. And if just one last thing of course the younger the kid is the faster it is for them to speak um, German of course if they're going full time during the pandemic that kind of shifted a little bit but to some schools that we spoke they said if the kid wants to it highly depends on the also on the kid's character and openness to it if they want to some young kids like from six to eight they can easily in six months um like get it up pick yeah. it up it's it's it's, it's that fast if the kid is open to it um, so obviously you said that sometimes it can be quite difficult even for the Germans to get their kids into school. So if someone was relocating, would you advise them potentially looking at the schools around the area and maybe getting on a few waiting lists before relocating? Or would you advise to have a look when they're there? Um, sorry, school, every kid will get a school place because it's mandatory. Um, what we, what I said is difficult, it's a key test, but um, because until the age of six, um, children do not have to be taken to daycare. They can also stay at home. So the age one to three is the most tough spot, I would say, um, to get. However, it's also not impossible. We actually had a chat with one of our um, uh, viewers and readers uh, who had a, a kid that's one year old and moved to Düsseldorf recently from uh, Ecuador and or Peru. And um, well, he just wrote to Kita after Kita after Kita and actually got a spot. So it was totally possible. And what he did is he uh, wrote his email in English, put it in Google Translate, and just sent the German version to literally the Kitas in around the, the area where he found the job. And that's how he found the Kita. So it's not impossible. It's just not going to be easy. And um, so the final topic that uh, we're going to talk about now is healthcare. Um, this uh comes up to be honest more frequently since the the coronavirus pandemic so i think our health is more in the forefront of our minds these days um and again i think jen and yvonne you are the the people to answer this question could you um give us an overview of um, the healthcare system and how it works in germany yes we can keep it short and sweet or try at least it again depends oh my God. but the one thing for sure is that you do by law need to have healthcare in Germany. That is the fact. Like, it doesn't matter if it's public or if it's private. You cannot be residing in Germany without any healthcare at all. Um, so that is one very important thing to, to, to point out. And whether it's public or private, that really highly depends on your situation. Are you single? Are you with the family? What is your salary, etc., etc. <laughs> um, but if you are public or privately uh, insured, again, like all these deductions get taken away before you even get your salary. So that's part of like the expense of your gross salary. So it's not like get money in the bank and then you pay your health insurance. It gets like deducted before you even see the money. And whether to find out if you're actually better to be publicly or privately um, um, 
insured. We have a partner called Feather Insurance. They have a very good service in English where they assess case by case um, whether what's the best option for you. Not whether who pays them the most money, but more or like what is the better financial option for you because the public healthcare system is very awesome, but you cannot apply if you earn after a certain threshold um, and the private healthcare can be also quite expensive. So it's like a lot of kind of like things I need to consider, many variables that um, cannot answer in this um, True. It's a big topic, isn't it? But um, I think the the main um, takeaway for a lot of people will be that it's fairly good quality compared to many, many parts of the world. Um, and, and so is the rest of the kind of social system in Germany. So if you get a job in America, yes, your taxes will be lower and your net salary will be higher, but you then have all the headaches to deal with yourself with your social securities and your healthcare. In Germany, it's almost like conveniently done for you by the government. Um, yes. And I can only say and vouch that at least in, because again, my, my threshold or my comparison bar is very low. Guatemala, I don't need to, like it seems that I talk very bad about my country, but you know, have to admit that certain things don't work so well. Um, so in Germany, I've been very happy with the healthcare system. Really, it's, uh, you can go to any doctor whenever you have a problem. It's not, you don't have to always think, oh, but I'm gonna pay extra or I'm gonna do something if you're publicly insured. So I've been very happy. I've been able to get, um, Pretty much whenever I'm sick or whatever, I'm able to go to the doctor without any issues and things work out pretty well. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Um, one more addition, you actually already need health insurance for your visa. So it's it's a mandatory requirement to come to Germany per se. Uh, without uh, the health insurance, you won't get a visa. And um, like Jen said, the type, maybe you don't have a choice. It really depends on how much you earn. And um, that is already setting the baseline whether you will go public or private most likely. Sure. And I'm, am I right in saying that um, some companies, when you move to Germany, um, actually give you health insurance as part of a package? Um, I know it probably varies depending on what company you work with, but is that something sometimes they do or is it something that you have to do on your own? So that will be a very, I would say, U.S. approach that the company pays for your health insurance. In Germany, your company, the employer always pays 50% and you as an employee always pay the other 50%. But you don't see any of that money. That's what, what Jen said. That's what we said in the beginning. From your gross salary, approximately 40% will be subtracted. And part of those 40% are social contributions such as health insurance, as well as taxes, of course. Um, so you basically just need to sign up with a health insurance company and the um, payment of it gets handled through your payslip. Mm -hmm. Nice and simple. Um, it is a lot of money, but when it's um, organized for you and it's a good quality, I think uh, it's going to be worth it for most people. So we have a question from Marv. Um, is there a clear way to understand salary brackets and taxes? What I mean by that is as a foreigner negotiating your salary, you don't want to negotiate at a particular range where you fall into a higher tax bracket and have less net income at the end of the month. I think I understand. In the UK, we have a tiered system and you could end up where you're earning say 50,000 pounds and you're actually paying a bit more tax and so your net income, maybe you're better off earning 49,999 British pounds than 50,000. Um, is that the same in Germany? 
Now we need to be very careful with tax. We're not certified tax consultants. So uh, real disclaimer, it's a very sensitive topic in Germany, but no, it is not. So the tax in Germany is progressive, um, meaning the more you earn, the more taxes you pay. However, um, of course, at a certain level of salary, you always already end up at the highest point. So there is, of course, a, a basis that is all um, calculated on. And um, let's say if you earn 80 or 90,000, will not progress the tax anymore because you're already at the highest of 42%. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is that the, the very, very highest amount that you'll contribute is 42%? Technically, yes. There is the 45% uh, that I believe starts at a quarter of a million. <laughs> okay. And at that point, I guess that extra percent is not really the biggest problem, is it? Probably. <laughs> we, we would we would say those uh, those people in that fortunate position can probably stomach that. Someone's asked that question. We actually we get a lot, and that's about relocating with animal animals and pets. Um, how easy is it to find an apartment with a small dog or or a cat? Good question. So um, we have written actually like an extensive guide on things because you need some paperwork, especially if you're not coming from the EU. So we have a written guide step by step what you need to consider if you want to move with a small dog that you can follow. And I would say finding an apartment, again, it depends, but we've had experiences like, for example, us in our home, we can have a pet if we would want to. We have friends who their landlord doesn't want a pet. Um, so I would say it's like 50-50. There is no harsh um, yes or no. Germany tends to be a very pet friendly country in general. So um, it really depends on the landlord and how they, they see their house, whether they're also pet friendly or not. Right. And on the um, platforms where you can um, flat hunt that we have also listed in our guides, uh, you can have a filter where you can uh, select pets, yes, or negotiation, meaning um, it's probably possible, but the landlord just wants to talk to you before and or see if it's not like a massive, like, I don't know, um, maybe German shepherd or I don't know what. Um, on that note, um, Please, if you have dogs particularly, please look at our guide because there are four breeds that are not allowed to be imported, um, the dangerous dog type. Um, so that is, uh, I would say, uh, an important information.